there's an abiding hope in Scripture. It's there from the very beginning. It's the hope of a kind of dynamic and yet really secure peace for the whole of creation. It's a kind of peace that has been just beyond the grasp of human culture for as long as we've known about human culture. It's a peace that the scriptures would say needs to be brought to us from beyond us, from God. And Micah's prophecy is in that stream of hope for that kind of peace. And mentions Bethlehem, Epaphra, that's a hard word to say, but um, it's a place uh, in the Middle East. And uh, too little among the clans of Judah. This is a nothing, nowhere place. We all know about uh, Bethlehem because Jesus was born there. But if Jesus had not been born there, we wouldn't know about it because it was a, a backwater. It was of no great importance. And you think, oh, so what? But where a person comes from is very important. Have you noticed that? Whether it's their country or their educational institution or even their suburb. I was listening to an interview on ABC Radio this week where a university researcher was uh, being asked about what are the most important factors with regard to uh, educational outcomes for students these days. And he talked for a little while and he said, but you know what, I can still predict for you, almost without fault, how well a person will do at school based on the postcode where they grew up. Isn't that amazing? So the socioeconomic ground that they are formed in, apparently, this is, he was a researcher, he wasn't being political, he was just saying it's still the most uh, persuasive and clear determiner of how a person does in their education and their career. So where a person comes from is really important. It matters. It matters to us and it has an impact, it would seem. But this Prince of Peace comes from outside of that system of value. So the, where we come from is a system of value. It, it forms us, you know, whether you are with wealthy people or well-educated people or highly cultured people, that forms you. It, it matters. It's a system of value. The Prince of Peace comes from outside of those values. He does not enjoy the advantage of a good background. There's no running start to his peacemaking career or princely career, however you want to see it. He comes, as it were, from nowhere. He has no lineage, although there is a lineage, but in our terms there's no lineage. He's not considered a ruler because of his connection to previous earthly rulers. That's not what does it for him. His rule is quite unlike that of any other earthly ruler. He establishes a new set of values, a new way of doing things. See, if, if he was to get a head start from the values of the world, that would be useful if he wanted to establish an institution that was of this world. It would be useful to have all those advantages. But if he's trying to do something other than that, those kinds of head starts don't really matter so much. He's not going to operate according to the culture of this world he's going to demonstrate an entirely 
new way of doing things, a new way of valuing. It's interesting, I was reflecting on this and trying to think of an illustration and the thought that came to mind was our new Prime Minister. And uh, one of the commentators, I listen to a lot of ABC radio, and one of the commentators says, look, it's really interesting because uh, Prime Minister uh, Turnbull was, is so popular largely because everyone believes he's going to be so different to his predecessor. The irony being that he only got the job largely because his colleagues thought he wasn't going to be too different to his predecessor. And we're yet to find out which way that particular breeze is going to blow. Meaningful change or not meaningful change? The Prince of Peace comes to bring meaningful change, a whole new way, not based on the values that we would be accustomed to. And it talks about a, a return of the people of Israel, a, a drawing together, a restoration of the flock. The reality is that this peace is expressed in community. So we, we can have an experience of inner peace, and I hope that you do from time to time. It's difficult at this time of year, but you know, to have those moments of solitude and sense of well-being is very, very good. But the peace that this one is bringing is primarily or also a communal peace. It's not about a peace that comes from being drawn away from everybody else and disconnected. It's a peace that finds its fullness, its full flower in the way we connect with each other, in the way we relate with one another. It's a much more challenging peace at that level I put to you. It's primarily a collective Reality, a way of living and behaving toward one another. Um, and communities do this in part and we have mechanisms for making it uh, work for us in different ways. Often we use it by a kind of expression of force. So um, that's why he says that the strength is the strength of the Lord that this one brings, not the strength that we normally see. What's the strength that we normally see in the world? It's usually military might. It's this kind of sense of authority. If you step out of line, you'll get it. It's a fear-based strength most often. I, I was thinking about um, Sahato, President Sahato, who ruled Indonesia for many, many years, and it was a very peaceful time in Indonesia if you weren't certain people. But by and large in Indonesia, Sahato ruled that country with an iron fist, and he had the corpuses, his um, special services, and they would go and clean up anything that was getting a bit out of line, and everyone knew where they stood, and it held the place in a relative kind of peace. Now, interestingly, as soon as he was gone from that position, there was a, a kind of a power vacuum that occurred and all the things that were actually there all along started to emerge and all sorts of political strife and military strife and all sorts of things started to happen in Indonesia and it hasn't been as peaceful since. Uh, we don't get lots of news about that, but you know, 15 years ago there was massive... Uh, mobilizations of people as internally displaced groups in, within Indonesia were moved around, in the, particularly in the east of Indonesia. So the peace that was there was in a sense not a true peace. It was a peace 
that was the absence of these things being able to find their expression, but they were there. They were latent and they came up as soon as the, the, the power was withdrawn. The strength of the Lord is different from the strength of holding things down. The strength of the Lord is not intimidation or coercion. It's the strength of invitation. It's the strength of love and life. And this strength is actually more profound than fear, although we find it hard to respond sometimes. The strength of the Lord is a strength born of the desire to live more fully, to come into life, into all that life is meant to be about. It's a gentle yet profound strength that resides in the heart of each person who makes their response to the love of God. It's unthrowable, like it, you can't beat it. Once that is activated, people will live that in a way that fear no longer can dominate them. And it will last forever. It is no temporary or, or passing peace. It's not a peace held together by force. It's not the peace that uh, is there because other voices are not allowed to be heard. It is the peace of willing desire to do that which is for peace it, from the heart of each person. This is a peace established by the absence of jealousy and rivalry and malicious intent. It's the peace of love and sharing and self-giving. We don't know much about it, do we? Everybody wants peace. That's interesting. We all want that kind of peace. I don't know about you. To me, that sounds great. I want that kind of peace. Yeah, I want to live in a world where that is the way of the world that I, I live in. And it's an abiding theme through history that we want peace at one level. It's a survival thing. We need peace. If there's not peace, there's always the risk that humanity can completely self-deconstruct, self-destroy. But we know so little of it. There have been moments down through history and they're much like the kind of peace I talk about with uh, Sahato. The Romans had the Pax Romana, relative peace. They built the roads and the viaducts. You know, what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> Gave us the peace. Yeah. But again, it was the peace at the sword. So if you didn't agree with them, they made you peaceful by cutting your head off. So that's a kind of peace. And the West has enjoyed a generation, really, of relative peace, although that's in part by keeping all our wars offshore. So we've been at war, we just don't have our wars on our turf, which, of course, is a very smart strategy unless you're the other people and they don't like it so much and that might be coming home to roost. The rise of radicalised terror groups um, is the first threat onshore that the West has had in my lifetime. I've never faced a threat like we face from terror in my lifetime before. We have lived in relative peace, but it is a peace that has been defined territorially. It's not a world peace and temporarily it doesn't last forever. And so we need a different kind of peace. All the methods that have been used up to now have been found wanting. 
and the Prince of Peace offers us a truly universal model for a fulsome, lasting peace. The Prince of Peace does not pretend there is no violence because that would be escapism, that would be denial. The Prince of Peace exposes violence for what it is. He doesn't participate in the cycle of violence, he exposes it as the desperate measures of desperate people. That's what our violence is, our lack of peace. It's desperate measures by desperate people trying to cobble things together, make the world the way we want it. The Prince of Peace shows us this is not where life is to be found. The Prince of Peace reveals that the fullness of life, that which lives for eternity, is found in self-giving love. Now, there's all sorts of notable examples of that that have had part expression down through history. We can think of people like Mother Teresa, who worked in um, Calcutta, caring for people, not minding who they were, but just caring for them. We can think of Nelson Mandela after he came out of prison and the uh, kind of icon for peace that he was. He wasn't about retribution, he was about inclusion of everybody. Uh, We could possibly think of Gandhi in a sense, the way that he would starve himself to stop people from fighting. These are echoes of this kind of thing. But you know what? We could probably also think of a number of people in this room who have cared for loved ones or given in service to the community or done stuff that isn't for their enjoyment in the first instance, even though they enjoy it because they love to do that which is good. These are the echoes of the kind of peace that the Prince of Peace brings. So when we come across a prophecy like this in Micah, Micah's hoping for something, something that's more real than all the reality that he has encountered. It's in a stream of hope that is there through Scripture and a stream that we believe Jesus is the climax to. There's a straining to see the hope of God amidst the realities of a lived experience where that hope isn't always lived out. And we know that too, don't we? But that's why we have the prophets. And as we approach Christmas, let's take time to consider the manner in which this promised child of peace is our peace. Let's dwell on that for the next five days and as we gather here on Friday, we can really celebrate and give thanks that he came to be our peace. Let's pray. Lord, so many of our intuitions go in different directions to the ways of your kingdom. For we come from this world, that's our postcode, and we are formed by it. But you come from, as if it were, nowhere in particular and call us into something that is eternal, not according to the ways of this world, but a new way, a way that invites us to give ourselves and come into the fullness of life. Lord, open our hearts as we wait for you this Christmas. 
open our hearts to new things that we might come to a new depth of the reality of your kingdom even now to the glory of your name. Amen.